Hello and welcome once again to The Scene of the Scene. I'm Chris. I'm joined once again by Mikey. Hello, Mikey. Hello. And it's opera time again. We just got out of seeing the Canadian Opera Company's performance and production of Richard Strauss's Electra. Would you say it was electrifying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Electra is the story. Do you want to tell the plot or should I? Uh, well, why don't Such you start? Yeah, yeah, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of plot. Uh, it starts with this really dramatic chord, and then, uh, you know, because uh, Electra's very upset. Electra's very upset. She's having a really bad day, a bad time of things, because her father, Agamemnon, uh, famous of Greek myth and the, and the, 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 the Trojan War, uh, came back from Troy and was quickly killed by the, her mother in cahoots with her new stepfather, uh, whose name is Agisthus. Is that what it was? I think so. And her mother, Clytemnestra. So they uh, have plotted to kill her father, and she is being outcast, and uh, it's just bad news he, he, bears. He's, he's dead at the start of this opera. He's dead. This is all stuff that's happened in the past. It starts with a bunch of maids complaining about how Electra's being really touchy ever she since She just her dad can't get died. over it. She's just as being mean. She's hissing. She's terrible. <laughs> like an angry cat. So bad. Uh, her sister comes in at some point and then says, Electra, come on, be reasonable. If we're really nice, we can leave. I want to have babies. I want to have babies so bad. I mean, her sister's having the healthier attitude towards... You know, her, sis- her sister's having a different. Well, we can talk about okay. that. But her sister's having a very different attitude towards all of this, and she just wants to have babies. Well, she's being pragmatic. Okay, uh, but uh, Electra isn't into that having babies plan. She wants revenge. She wants the gods to uh, step in and intervene, and she wants all to be made right after the death of Agamemnon. And so she has a plan. Her brother Orestes was sent off long ago by mom uh and she has called for Orestes to come back and seek revenge on their father uh mother well on the oh, sorry revenge, revenge for, for the death their father of their yes. father yes, yes. Uh, upon mother and stepdad yes <laughs> uh but uh mother comes in and is like uh oh I'm just so crazy oh I just need to figure out what the right sacrifice is to make and then this well, because she's, she's like, I'm so sick. I'm suffering so bad. Everything's terrible. <laughs> and Electra's like, oh, I know the sacrifice. And then they play coy for a while, even though obviously she is the sacrifice. She needs to be dead. And that will restore everything. <laughs> so that's a fun scene. Yeah, Electra's advice to her mother is basically, you should kill yourself. <laughs> or you should, no, no, no. You should, you <laughs> you should, should be, allow yourself to be killed. Allow yourself to be killed yes. by, a, by a man who is... Uh, both part of the household and a stranger or outsider to this house, namely my brother. Uh, and then who, who you tried to have killed, who I know you tried to have killed, who I know you sent away hoping that he would die. Well, anyway, after all this, uh, mom finds out that Orestes is dead, has a big old cackle. Uh, she's delighted. And a little bit later, the sisters find out what is the problem and, oh no, things are even worse for Electra because now her brother is dead. Except then, mysterious guy shows up. This is the first man who has sung in the opera. It occurs an hour in of this just under two-hour opera, which is interesting. Uh, a mysterious man shows up. Actually, he's not the one who's the first man to sing. There's another one who shows up first. But it doesn't matter. They only have like a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Kai shows up and is like, I have news about your brother being dead. I saw it with my own eyes. He was such a great man. She was like, you're nothing compared with him. He's so much nobler than you. Uh, And 
then he's like, who even are you? Where is everyone? And she's like, I am named Electra. And he's like, oh, my word, my own sister didn't recognize me, which is pretty rich, considering that he didn't recognize her. But apparently she's been having bad times and is sunken and meager and on death's door, even though being played by a soprano who is singing tremendous amounts of energy and vitality and has been doing so for an hour and obviously isn't that emaciated looking that aside you know that's the sort of thing you need to suspend in opera i suppose anyway brother reveals himself and they're like great the plan we can do it and they get all excited and they oh i forgot about the part where uh where Electra was trying to get her sister to help her yes the couple Yes, when like, when no, they th- I want to have babies instead. When they think that their brother is dead, and Electra's like, "Well, fine, we'll have to do it ourselves." And she tries to enlist her sister's help, and the sister's like, "We should adapt to the situation as it is." For an opera in which only three things happen, it's amazing to have forgotten one of them. Uh, so they go down. Uh, so so sorry, they don't go down. Only Orestes goes down, and his hunting buddy. And they, uh, they, they kill mom. There's some great off screen, off stage screams. Really good. <coughs> really good screaming. Yeah. That's some, and some really good cello or bass work or something. It's really nice. Really, really dramatic moment. Uh, but the problem, she forgot to send the axe. The axe was kind of key. The axe that had killed her father was supposed to take its vengeance out. And that was how the gods would be appeased and stop the terrors that were troubling the Agamemnon clan. Anyway, she's plum forgot it. You know how you forget things sometimes. So she forgets it. And then she's like, oh, damn, this ruins everything. This isn't going to work out as well as I'd hoped. And sure enough, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, mom is dead. Uh, stepdad comes home is like, why is everybody being weird? Where is everybody? Electra, you're the only one here. You're being suspiciously nice to me. Huh, there's some guys in there. Oh, they're the people who, uh, okay, all right. Well, I guess I'll go in. I don't know about this. He goes in and he gets killed. And you'd think, happy ending. And in fact, quite a lot of people seem to be happy. There's all sorts of joyous crying from the crowds, which may or may not be imaginary or may, you know, might be real uh, or might be just emanating from Electra's heart. Uh, but everybody's like, yay, Orestes did it. We're free from this terribleness. And everything is so much that, spoiler alert, Electra just dies. She just plumb drops down. It's been a long day and she's <laughs> dead. I don't know. There's no explanation given except that she has been overwhelmed by feeling overwhelmed. And that's enough to kill you. It made me think of the ending of Kei Chopin's story of an hour. Is that Kei Chopin? I have no idea. Um, it's, a, it's a real short, short story that I read in the first year of my university degree where a woman is given news that her husband is dead and she locks herself in a room and she's like elated because she's finally free of this dreadful marriage that she hates. And then the news comes that, oh, it was a mistake, mistaken report. He's actually alive. And she just drops dead. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. Sometimes people can just die for narrative purposes. <laughs> that, I mean, certainly in all the stories that I wrote when I was 12, that happened a lot. Yep. People would just die because I couldn't think of anything else to do in a short story or <laughs> novel, as I was trying to write, except have a character die every three pages. Because, like, okay, what else happens in books except people just up and die? Mm-hmm. This is based on some Greek myths that were told in some plays by Sophocles and I believe Euripides, uh, which I haven't read in a while, uh, so I don't remember. I don't remember anything about this, uh, except that, yeah, I've, there are other Greek plays. The only thing I, bad days. the only thing I knew about Electra is that I've often, not often, but occasionally we'll see it floated as sort of 
an equivalent to like a female equivalent to Oedipus. Like, right. Like the Electra complex is a, is a woman who was overly obsessed with her father. Um, I didn't know anything about it and I don't know that that's at all an apt comparison. So, yeah, I mean, it's somebody Well, I think even more so it's somebody who's in a sort of psychosexual drama between uh, a, a young woman who's in a psychosexual or a girl who's in a psychosexual drama between with her mother for the affections of the father. Which isn't really what's going on, at least in this version Certainly not of the in this story. opera, no. But, like, if you're desperate to find some female equivalent for the Oedipus story, then... <laughs> there aren't a lot of richly drawn characters in... Uh, female characters in uh, in classical literature, are there? I don't... There are some, but, yeah. Maybe not the specific ones that you're looking for, if mm-hmm. you're looking for that kind of situation. What do you think about this opera, Michael? Uh, I was drifting in and out for the first half. Like, literally, like, my eyes closed, my chin nodding down, um, which does not sound like a strong point to start with. I'm going to say that's, I thought I had missed a fair amount. And then when we got out, I read the plot synopsis, and I hadn't missed anything. And I was like, oh, okay. So when Orestes comes back, uh, the reunion scene with Electra was actually quite touching. And I really liked that. I thought it was very well done. I felt emotions as I was watching it play out, and I was sort of on board at that point. There was no more nodding off after that. Um, but that was about halfway through. So it, and, and similarly, at the very end, when uh, the uh, usurper, what, what the hell is his name? Um, Aegisthus. Aegisthus, thank you. When he's being killed, and he's yelling for like help, and he yells, does no one hear me? And Electra kind of smugly says, Agamemnon hears you. I, her dead father. And I, I thought that would have been a great sort of curtains at that point. <laughs> and uh, instead we, we have the weird aftermath where Electra kind of loses her mind and then dies for no apparent reason. So, Well, I think that... I think that happens in the myth as well, basically, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, what a great final, like, Agamemnon hears you curtain. Like, that would have been great. Like, mm, that's Well, that's an interesting <laughs> way. It's inter- it would be interesting to think about why you have that narrative expectation versus what the story as seemingly presented to us offers something else. Mm-hmm. But I want to back up a little bit and first of all, agree with you that the moment when Electra recognizes who Orestes is and they reunite and have a big hug is a phenomenal moment music wise and, and was full of emotion. Like it was unexpectedly, like it just hit there. They embrace and there is this burst of a wall of sound of several different textures weaving in and out of each other. And it's just ravishing. It is absolutely great. Uh, one of the things I do want to think about is the music in particular. This is, uh, this premiered in 1909. It's in this very late romanticism pre atonality moment where there's just, you get this in some, I've experienced this in some other operas anyways, and other pieces of music from this period where you just sort of have heavy chords, a mm-hmm. lot of real or heavy tonalities. Um, they're somewhat complicated. They move a bit, but they don't really change. You just sort of linger in these giant emotional cloud chords and the texture occasionally will sort of weave off into these other moments. There's a moment when she's sort of in early on when she's pining for her father and she's remembering for half a second, her childhood. And there's a little bit of a light dance with me, papa childish, song coming in and it's an it is a little break from the overwhelming 
sameness of the heaviness of these rich chords, but uh, but even that is tinged with enough of the heaviness that it can come back to it, that it never has fully escaped it, even mm. though you've got this slightly more traditional, tonal, easy, simple music for a bit. There are a couple of moments in the opera where Electra dances. Yes. And that is when the music sort of picks up some energy. There's stronger sense of melody. Um, those were the moments when the music sort of, the fog cleared and I got a better sense of the music. Uh, and that might be to do with my tastes, which do not run towards that sort of early 20th century cloud of sound. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I'm also not generally speaking. Like, I mean, I enjoy those textures, but I don't necessarily enjoy just sitting in them and dwelling in them for an hour. Like you did at the first half of this. Um, it just, it just isn't, it just doesn't do anything for me. I don't know. I mean, it's really well done. It's really, it's really beautiful at any moment, but I too was drifting in and out, both because nothing was happening for the first hour except long conversations. He's, you know, about emotional states that didn't actually seem all that nuanced, even though they were fraught, even though they were high stakes. Um, and uh, yeah. And then you just had this music that just sort of uh, sat there kind of weaved. And I thought, Okay, this is lovely. Let me let me just listen to it for a while, and therefore I would just lose all attention on anything. It just carried me off, which was nice. I I, I don't want to fully sound like I don't want to sound too much like I'm complaining about it. It was nice, but I don't know. It it made me appreciate uh, operas that are broken down into, uh, even if they're very long sometimes. You know, pieces that are individual that's come to a stop and that'll, that encourage and allow more diversity of sounds. Mm. Uh, you pointed out as they are doing the curtain call, what a tour de force performance for the person performing Electra this is. I think that deserves being pointed out. Absolutely. Uh, Electra was performed by Christine Gerke? I'm going to say Gerke. She's basically on stage the entire time occasionally gets short breaks from singing but never ever gets to be off stage and um her not like her acting was very good which is not always something you get in operas like the way she moved her body she really um she really did a good job conveying a sort of distressed emotional psychological state I, I liked I liked her performance quite a bit, and it was a long one that didn't give her any periods to rest. Yeah, I I was maybe a little less happy with her acting. I don't know. Actually, I didn't think it was particularly her fault. I thought whoever was devising the the movement didn't, for the most part, come up with things that were I don't know interesting enough for for my needs. I, I, she didn't have any. I don't have a problem with how she was. And acting them, I guess. But um, once she was stalking around the stage with the axe, taking imaginary swings, that was great. That was good. That was a good part. There were some definitely some good parts. And yeah, just phenomenal, like singing at the top of her lungs for two hours. I mean, getting a few breaks now and again. But in terms of the acting, I actually thought uh, the mother, Clytemnestra, did the did the best acting job mm. of all of them. She had a really nice, um, chewy role like it wasn't she was just there for one segment of it but uh her sort of i'm crazy i need to figure this out i'm willfully ignoring you i'm a bit evil i'm a bit sweet like she was able i don't know it's it's a good diva kind of role i guess uh and i enjoyed how she pulled that off um obviously all the musicians are were very good <laughs> all these all the all the singing and playing was very good this opera also 
being a sort of early 1900s, late romantic, I'm probably using the wrong terminology here, opera, post-Wagnerian opera, let's say, seemed to have a massive orchestra that was very, very loud and made it very difficult for the singers to sing over it. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder if we have poor seats for that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. that we we go for the cheap seats. We are in the topmost ring. The orchestra pit feels like it's pushing, uh, it's aimed directly at us. Like, we have a really good view of the orchestra, and I feel like we get more of the orchestra in the mix sometimes because we're so high up. Uh, I don't know if that's actually true. It's been a while since I've sat somewhere else in an opera house. But I wonder whether that's doing us no favors in terms of how easy or difficult it is to hear the singers trying to pierce through this. Uh, it didn't seem written to be favorable to that, uh, which meant that, yeah, Electra had to sing really loud, really high notes a lot of the time. It was really strenuous. It was really, I mean, it was impressive, technically very impressive, as opera should be, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have any other any other thoughts about the opera be- at all? Not really. I gotta say, this one... Other than a few really nice moments musically and uh, a couple of nice emotional moments in the back half, it kind of passed me by. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely disagreeing. It, it definitely felt like it had a big first act problem, like most operas, um, where they're just sort of setting up the emotional stakes before anything, quote unquote, anything can happen. But this is one of the most sort of telling like the characters are on stage you're just going to talk about things that have already happened so nothing is actually ever happening which is a thing in opera but this was this this opera had it more than others i've seen it's also a thing in greek in classical greek mm-hmm. uh drama where all the action happens off stage and you just hear tales about it so for example electra does she do anything other than just cycle through various states she cycles through states she's emotional she has done something by calling after her brother before the the opera Mm -hmm. begins she does make a plan to attempt to murder her uh, mother and stepfather with her sister when it seems like that's the only way out of this but that doesn't actually happen she doesn't really do anything she sort of guides her stepfather into the house at one point she has a few conversations but like there's no action she very smugly snubs out candles as her stepfather's being murdered off stage. She does. That was good. Um, yeah, there is limited plot, and most of it is happening off stage, even even by opera standards. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's some. There were some really great moments in it. There are some things I'm going to think about. I suppose with this opera, I'm really curious about thinking about your notion there that this moment of justice is what it should have ended on. The Agamemnon has heard you. Mm-hmm. You know, justice has been resolved. That is a satisfying end to this. Yeah. Versus, this is not really going to end until Electra is dead. Until Electra is com- like Electra is spent, and therefore, that is actually the fulfillment of yeah. what this opera. Well, Electra's sister is the one who sort of like considers like, okay, let's talk about this. This is something we can talk about. So, Electra's sister is basically envisioning what life after this tragedy can be. Right. And how to move forward. She, she, she's future oriented. She understands that life will go on. Uh, whereas Electra is like, no, life cannot go on because of this injustice that has happened. So like, even when justice is served, like, there's no life for Electra there. Like, what was she gonna do? Like, like, 
her father is still dead and she has like had she has no dreams or visions about a future that she would want for herself beyond achieving that revenge so like it is kind of fitting that she died because well she are like her plot arc is done yeah all of her life's goals have been achieved because she has received the vengeance Mm -hmm. she's uh, finished the vengeance is done that she that is the sole purpose of her being she has a duty to her family and the gods that duty has been fulfilled she doesn't need to be alive anymore yeah and like like i say like her sister is the one like pardon me looking at it right now as like you know a man in his 30s it's kind of like okay like these sort of like excessive obsessive like uh, focusing on the the injustice that was done upon you and and like the the project of mourning that sort of consumes everything it's like that's appealing to like when I was a teenager, but it's like, good God, no, that's terrible. Like you want to be like the sister who's like, well, it was very bad what happened, but let's make, let's make a plan. So how we can go ahead and have a life, you know? Hmm. Uh, maybe. Hmm. One of the things I just sort of realized as you were saying that was that Electra dies happy, which is unexpected to say the least. At Electra this point in dies life. in a fit of mania. In a fit of mania, yeah, yeah, in a fit of mania, but like, but she's satisfied. She has, she's done the thing. She's <laughs> achieved what has been her all-consuming goal. She's achieved dusting. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Let's say that she's achieved dusting. She is, she is living le petit ah. <laughs> um, she's there. She's in the moment. Why would you not? Why would you want to keep living? It's only going to be a disappointment after that. <laughs> Uh, whereas, you know, having kids is nothing but disappointment, right? <laughs> no, it's probably not. I don't know. I don't have kids. I don't want kids. I, um, uh, I'm not saying that people who have kids are bad or anything. I'm just... <laughs> Stop digging that hole. Uh, well, but this is sort of what you're arguing. Because mm-hmm. that's what... That is uh, one side of what future... Like, looking to the future the way that she... That's, let's put it that way. She is she's tied to that form of looking to the future... In terms of having babies and having more people and, and continuing a family line, even if it's not as a new person. Yeah. But she, I mean, I think you're overplaying the have babies thing. Like she wants freedom as well. <laughs> she wants to, she wants to, she wants to get out of that house. Like she, she doesn't want freedom. That's she very well, specifically wants to be tied to her babies. She has a really long, so if I'm making a lot about the babies, it's because she mm-hmm. sings about it for 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and it's very specifically, I want to go out. I'm going to marry a, uh, a poor person and have babies and have them be dependent upon my body. That is what I'm looking for. I'm envious of the women who go to the well and can't even lift up the thing and are, and are bearing child. And then they have their burden is lifted. They have a baby and the milk of life flows through them and their children are attached to them. And that's what I want. And I'm not saying that she shouldn't want that. I'm saying that that is, that that, that is a different option. Yeah. She is, she is the, uh, she has the life drive. Electra has the death drive. Yes. And we know that Electra gets it in the end. Everybody she wants dead is dead, and she gets to die too. And then done. <laughs> Wonderful. Great. Okay. I mean, that's a philosophical difference of opinion in terms of which one you think is preferable. I'm I'm gonna come down on camp life drive, so <laughs> I'm not sure I have a I have a preference, but I certainly see 
the legitimacy of Electra's proposition. I don't know that she needed to die in the end. I don't know, but I also don't know what would come next. I mean, that's sort of part of the appeal of, of ending it when you wanted it to end mm-hmm. is that you get the sense that justice is done and now everybody can, can decide what to do next. And you don't have to be troubled with the fact that there is, there's nothing following mm-hmm. the successful campaign. Yep. There's just nothing. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Shall we wrap it up? I suppose so. Um, the set was kind of, what did you think of the, the set? The sets are always nice. Was, I, I don't know. It was, it was all right. The, sh- the, the, the shining house blinded me, but. Yeah, we were, there's a house on the stage and it it's opened Normally up had the, its doors closed. Sometimes right. its doors would open and it had some sort of mirrored light in the background that I think probably looked really cool on the lower levels. It was absolutely like a sun in a mirror blinding on the upper levels. Yeah. Um, I had to hold my program over it so that I could continue to read the surtitles. <laughs> Otherwise the stage, yeah, that was really annoying. Otherwise the stage was sort of German expressionist kind of styling with these interesting angles and like abstract painting on the wall. It had the illusion of that it was on a tilt, which was fun. Yeah. Well, it might've been on a tilt mm. even. I don't know, but, um, and the, the, they were sort of like fake Rothko wall or Airsats Rothko wall. I don't know. It was very moody. It was very gray. It was very dark. I guess that's all appropriate, but it also really didn't give you any sense of where you actually were. The, the house structure was sort of too tiny to be a house. <laughs> well, I mean, it had stairs going under it. Yeah, like, it had stairs going under it. But in terms of like, what even is this except it's a hobbit hole? Yeah. Like it's just, oh, it's just a way to another part of the, but like all of this is supposed to be taking place on the grounds of a house. It's a psychological allegory. Well, that's sort of what I wanted to say. So it was also really interesting uh, that this was an opera in which only women perform for the first half of it. Uh, sort of a reverse Siegfried, I guess. Yeah, and even uh, when men show up, they don't do a lot of singing. They're there's not, not a lot, no. Um, and the only other comparable opera in terms of female-driven that we've seen was uh, Evertung. The, which is only has one singer. It's a very short. It's 45 minutes, I think, 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, it is also a woman who is psychologically distressed. Uh, we saw it a few years ago here at the Canadian Opera Company. It is much more atonal. It's, it's Schoenberg and it is much more compressed, but also by having a woman on the edge where you don't even get an explanation as to what the problem is. Uh, that perform, that opera I thought was really remarkable. And the, it, perhaps it was partially the staging of it that time, but it felt like a much more compressed version of this opera and in many ways more su- successful because of it, because it really just honed in on the things that it was most interested in and could get away with not having any plot and only having a woman exploring her, her drama and the, and the various facets of it in a way that they didn't add up to each other. So. Yeah. Cool. I thought that was an interesting echo. Um, at any rate, that's been us. So thank you, Michael, for joining me at the opera. My pleasure. We have another opera show coming up real soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, more on that in a bit. Meanwhile, uh, thank you. And thank you for talking with me again. And we are on Twitter now, by the way. <laughs> you can't end it, can you? <laughs> no need to end it. This is this can go on. We can talk for another 5, 10, 15 minutes. I think it's time for us to go. We're on Twitter. At, scene to the scene. Is it? Uh, is it? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I've forgotten. If you go to the Megaphonics Twitter, Megaphonic FM, you'll find it. 
It'll you be will. retweet. It'll be retweeting everything. It is that, at that scene of the scene. There you go. No, the at the beginning. Just scene of the scene. All right, we're off. Trip, Talk trip. to you later. Bye bye. The scene of the scene is brought to you by Megaphonic FM. Visit megaphonic.fm slash scene for show notes on this episode and to find out about all our fancy little shows.